it's the intermission fart sound. Again, no intro. <laughs> we have this sort of classy piano thing from the first episode, but that's about it. So uh, at the intermission today is myself, uh, T. Christie, uh, Brian William Fenifter. Greetings. Seth Brower. Hello, hello. And Trey Stokes, <laughs> who is amazing. Uh, we thought today we would talk about, uh, this was actually Trey's idea. Uh, you, you, how did what? you characterize it? I, we were kicking around ideas, and I, I said, well, let's, you know, just to keep it more generic, so it... Uh, just uh, we're all we're all in show business uh, in one form or another. Um, three of us are more in one form than than Brian's is sort of an exception that way. But you know we all work in show business in in, in some way. And I thought you know sort of the jumping off point is okay. Why? What's what's so great about it? Why do we why do we do it? Why do we show up every day and do it? And then and then what are the things that make us not want to do it? So it's kind of like what's the good thing and what's the best and worst about being in this line of work that we're in? Generically. Hi, I'm Teague. I'm a visual effects artist. Uh, Come to the right place, man. Let it out. Let it out. I do 2D and 3D effects uh, for film, cinema. You know, I do uh, music videos, commercials, TV shows, episodics, and also reality-based stuff. Docudrama stuff has been my job lately. Web series. Web series also, yeah. Fantastic. The best web series. (laughs) (laughs) Best one ever made. Um, Magical. Oh, that one with Rosario Dawson? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Oh! Oh! I actually worked on that. I, uh, I worked on the yeah. pilot. I didn't work on the actual show itself. I, I did uh, an effects test. They, they sent me out on uh, a uh, – I, I, I uh, replied to the call and said, hey, I'll do this. Here's my reel. And they're like, yeah, you're good. Uh, do this as a test shot. We'll see if we like it. They didn't end up liking it. Um, but it was a uh, invent your own graphical user interface thing. And what I did was very Iron Man 2-y, and they went with something much simpler. Before uh, Iron Man 2, we should point out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, they didn't like it, so whatever. Um, but it was, I did effects on Rosaria Dawson, which was nice. Um the thing that kills me, uh, that really kills me, is there's two things. They both involve making something happen that I don't like doing. One, and more prevalent, is when something literally cannot be the case, and you want me to illustrate it, <laughs> I, get, I get whiny. <laughs> is it time for me to tell the I story? get fussy. Is it shark brain time? Is it shark brain story? I, I, can do, I, I think I've told the shark brain story before. Yeah, but this is the sure. yeah, well, totally, sure. different, totally different iTunes feed. Fair enough, fair enough. Uh, that would be, um, you can, you could say the best example of something like that is my overarching history, uh, related network <laughs> story <laughs> where, um, if there was some kind of canal through which history ran, right. Yet you would like call that. the history canal. And if there was <laughs> some sort of a functioning electronic, or I'm sorry, electric, uh, ability to have sentience and then a, a thing that would happen in the period after that. And then uh, Humanity, like a show based on those sort of things. Uh, I worked on that show. and um, Nicely vague. <laughs> the electric brain activity of sentience that occurred after Humanity. Um, there was this one sequence where the, the, the gist of the show that I was doing is you're, you're looking at items and, and monuments and culture, uh, ecology basically, after Humanity has gone away, right? And there's basically... Scientists that are interviewed and they say, okay, what would happen to this? What would happen to that? Some of the interesting facts from that show, like, for instance, the last, uh, the last human endeavor thus far completed uh, to go away if we just disappeared tomorrow and nature ran its course would be the uh, – uh, oh, shit. Not the Washington Monument. Mount Rushmore. Rushmore. Thank you. I was thinking of Washington Monument uh, in uh, South Carolina or wherever Dakota. it is. Dakota. Dakota. Um, for, for, because even- Dakota. <laughs> Make it better for Dakota. Um uh, it wouldn't be the pyramids. It would actually be that because just the way the weather works in that area. It's because it's raw granite in a very geologically it, stable area. Yeah, no yeah. one's going to hit that for yeah. a while. And, uh, yeah, and it won't get covered by sand or whittled away or anything like that. Anyway, uh, and they wanted to show 
what would happen to Stonehenge? I spent five minutes on Wikipedia after learning that I would be doing Stonehenge just to learn more about it. Uh, and the problem with that was when I did research, I found out that it was fucking bullshit. Uh, not Stonehenge, <laughs> what they wanted to do. Um, the problem is, here's what they asked me to do. They said, we want to see Stonehenge fall over. Ah. <laughs> uh. Okay, here's what I learned. First of all, uh, there was initially a lot more stones at Stonehenge that were sitting on top of the earth that did, in fact, fall over. The ones that haven't are submerged. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> They're twice as tall as they look. They're going into the ground that much. So fall over? Not so much. It'd be like if your tooth was three inches long and the only you – know, <laughs> It's just your, your yeah. tooth isn't going to fall over. They're not dominoes sitting on the dirt. Right. right. <laughs> they're, they're, they're fence posts. They're dug into yeah. the ground. Yeah. Yeah. And they said, we want to see it fall over. I'm like, well, bro. all right. Now, these are the sort of things, and it's hard to articulate this kind of problem, but the problem is the difference between someone who thinks of things and someone who creates visuals. Because someone, it's very easy right in your head to imagine Stonehenge falling over, apropos of nothing. It's really hard to make that happen visually in a way that your brain doesn't reject. And that's the problem I run into on a constant basis. Okay. And I, I recently – this is so gay. I was, so, I was recently interviewed for a blog, and they said, what's the one thing um, – uh, how, how did I phrase this? What, what, what's the hardest thing about your job or something like that? And I said, all right, how about this? Imagine two soup cans are anthropomorphized and hugging each other, and one of them has a boner. Okay? Now, if they're hugging each other, you can't see the boner. This is the difference I articulate where it's like, okay, the problem is seeing the boner. The problem I run into is always seeing the boner. <laughs> it's, it's the problem we all run into. We can all relate to that. So fast. Yeah. See, it, when I was in middle school, the problem was everybody could see the boner all too yeah. easily. Because you weren't doing any hugging. That's the missing uh, ingredient. All right. So trying to come up with a way to communicate visually that there is a boner when it's clearly not visible. That kind of thing. They wanted to see it fall over. Stonehenge, not the boner. <laughs> and after I was kind of a bitch and said, it's not gonna... Uh, they said, well, maybe it's uh, – maybe the ground underneath it is collapsing. Maybe it's on top of a gopher hole, and the gopher hole just falls. 4,000 years. Um, also, <laughs> uh, minor detail, sorry. Um, it's on a bed of chalk, like chalk rock, bedrock, right? It's, there's no holes under Stonehenge uh, yet. Um, anyway, so we're doing this whole thing. And now as this is happening, there was another thing going on where they wanted a, a previous supervisor I had had worked for a Discovery-like channel. I don't think it was for the Discovery channel, uh, where they were showing the nervous system and the digestive system and the cardiovascular system of a shark. And they wanted to show the neural system of a shark, which is cool because it has these little you know, pods of sharkiness or of braininess all alongside the inside of the body like a dinosaur might because uh, they are dinosaurs. And the producer says, we want to see the shark's brain. The problem is this particular shark doesn't have a brain that way. It doesn't have a brain per se. It has smart veins throughout its entire body. Basically. It has a thick point on the spinal cord. Right. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. And the guy yeah. said, I don't care. The people are going to want to see the brain. Okay. Well, this is going to be going over a voiceover with an, a scientist saying they don't have brains. So that won't, we want to see a brain. I'm like, I, okay, what does a non-existent shark brain look like, producer? <laughs> That's not my job. Right. That's what the fucking response is. How do you make the boner visible? It's not my job. You do that. But you can't. So he says, just take, I know we have a human model. Just take the brain out of that. Put it in the shark. Fucking shark brain. Okay. And <laughs> in fact, he did. And, um, I had and he that, hasn't slept well ever since. I kept running into that problem. And it was funny because right at the time I was having my trouble with, uh, my trouble with a, a uh, we'll say history-related network, uh, they had just recently changed their tagline to, We Make History. <laughs> and, yep. and there's the proof. <laughs> we, in fact, do. 
Anyway, <laughs> story. The so you, and you get to be part of that. Anyway, so the, thing, great. the thing that always bugs me is being asked to make a visual of something that you can't make a visual of, and then you get absolutely no props for making it happen. Like, there's no part of their brain that goes, mm. I understand that I cannot conceive of a doodle that would... That would yeah. I can't even draw you a picture yeah. of what that's supposed to look like. I can only tell you what I want. You can't see the boner in a hug. That's the problem. The corollary to that, I was having a discussion at work uh, recently. Uh, we happen to be doing a lot of car comps for various set different projects. And we keep running into the issue that when you get down to it, there really is no car comp that's realistic. Because it's it's one of those... I'm visualizing it as a photocopy of a photocopy of a photocopy. Someone did a car composite of people driving in a car at night with streetlights going by. And they thought, oh, this is good. This works. And then over time, everyone just kind of did something similar to that because they got in their brains from watching TV and watching movies. That's what the inside of a car looks like when you're driving. And when you actually sit down to do one... And you have, like, reference footage of people actually driving in a car. The only way to do it is to have it massively overexposed. Right. It, and, it, and you know this is completely wrong. And <laughs> when I try to do reality, they come back and say, no, that doesn't look right. It's like, well, it does, but it's not what you expect it to look like. So, oh, fine. And I, it's like I seeing the, the stars same, and the moon in one shot. Yeah. yeah. It, you get to the point where it's just like, okay, fine. I'm just going to throw up my hands. I care about my work and making it look good, but there's a point past where you have to say, I just, I have to give you what you want apparently and not what's actually correct because you're the person paying my bills. So, the chat room yeah. wants to know what a car comp is. Um, mm -hmm. In very many cases, uh, probably most all of them, uh, you see it a lot in behind the scenes things. They'll have a car on a blue screen or a green screen set, so it's people sitting in the car acting so they don't actually have to go out and shut down traffic and and it's your job have, to make it look real outside yeah so you get the car and you get the uh with the nice blue screen that very often has lots of defocus and lots of bad things like that that you yeah. have to fight with it's again it's a, it's a whole change in the in the you know way things are done it's like 20 30 years ago it's like naturally you know you would you would only in desperation do do a a car scene in a studio because it's going to look like shit. Oh yeah, rear projector. You know, yeah, oh, yeah, you would yeah. actually, you would actually, you know, oh no, let's get a real car and let's drive around. But now it's become like, oh no, we can totally do a green screen. Um, but like you say, it's it's we've, it's so rare now that people actually just do it for real that the look of it has evolved from what real <laughs> looks like because no one has reference of what it really looks like anymore. It's the well, we'll do that and that'll give it the feel that people think they know, and you'll just go with that. And hopefully, the footage isn't at a completely wrong angle so cars are going upwards or <laughs> downwards or sideways. So they're not coming at like a 15 that. degree angle yeah. towards well, I, the, we're driving through inception. <laughs> I don't want to steal uh, I don't want to steal one of Ryan's stories but he may never have a chance to tell it cuz he won't have this opportunity to go into a story on this subject but uh, he had to do a car comp for uh, drive not drive Vegas whatever that Vegas show was a couple years ago where the the lens on the inside of this camera or car had it such that the person in the foreground is in focus and the oh. door is out of focus and they wouldn't let him blur the background because oh. they were paying for it. Oh. So wow. in focus person, out of focus window, completely crystal clear background. Oh, that's just painful. For some show. I don't remember what the show was. <laughs> anyway, Trey, you have done everything, so it's hard to whittle it down. Well, not but, yet, but, but would, uh, tomorrow I'm, I'm going to get the rest I'd down. I'd be curious if you've ever had Tomorrow any... you're working crafty, sir. Yeah, sir. Yeah. Yeah. I'd be I'll curious if you've done. ever had uh, like a consistent, something that happens over and over again, a recurring request in the field of like puppetry, creature effects, that's like a total head desk thing. Like, 
Fucking, uh, uh, no, I'm not doing another one of these. That was, well, that was, you know, every day on the set of Team America was like that. It was the, but puppets can't do that um, unless you build them that way. Um, that didn't happen. I, I guess that's really, we're talking about a misconception between what you're being asked to do and what you, what you A, can and B, should. Yeah. Well, there's always a disconnect. I mean, it's, it's not just in visual effects. It's in all kinds of things, you know, where, where people who, you know, are, are your boss whether that's your producer or director or whatever, you know, just says, well, just do the... And then, you you know, you have to then try and go, okay, in the 30 years that I've been doing this, let me try and condense that down because I know it's not going to be enough for me to just go, can't. <laughs> <laughs> because my 30 years of experience pales in comparison to your ability to write checks. So I'm going to have to go deeper on that. Uh, and, and we've all, you know, we've all... Uh, I just tweeted about that. I was like, um, it's like Kung Fu. You know how a Kung Fu master won't kill you because he spent his whole life learning the reason not to? Basically is what Kung Fu is. <laughs> <laughs> you, have, you have all these years of experience of learning what not to do. But the person paying the the check doesn't. Yeah. The person just yeah. inherited all those abilities. <laughs> it's like it's or like he a... might use. I, I, I have a, a one long a one sentence long story that I want to have an animation over, so you can see something happening while you're listening to the person tell the story. We could not do that, and it wouldn't take me a week. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, we could save a lot of time by not going down that road to begin with, because there's dragons down there. But uh, no, there no. be dragons. Yeah, but if you yeah, okay, yeah, we'll, we'll just take. Okay, you you go first. Bobby. <laughs> oh yeah. Like, oh yeah. Why don't we do it this way? Yeah. Well, because people have been doing this for hundreds of years. <laughs> yeah. Hundreds of years. Exactly. There's a reason. This way is better. If you can show me that your way is better while not wasting everyone's time, which you can't because it isn't because everyone tries to do that because it's the obvious thing, and it doesn't work because this, this, and this. Yeah. It's a black lightsaber. <laughs> you can't do it. You can't do it. That is the most beautiful awesome. analogy I've ever yeah. heard. It's a black laser. Negative light, man. Yeah. Negative light. <laughs> Again, it just comes to uh, to me. To me, it comes back to the, uh, the that great time travel story. That the, the time travel news group, where he's like, it's a, it, just everyone chill out. We all killed Hitler our first time. You know, it's like <laughs> it's what, now we know better. Okay, that's how that works. Everybody kills Hitler their first trip. It's it's just it's a given, but um, it's you know it's it's like that. It is like that. And I guess uh, to to try and and swing back to what uh, was nominally the topic, not like it matters, but uh, th- that that's that's kind of the the good and bad in one um, of of working in show business because it's like like very few other industries of any kind. Um, you literally might not know what you're going to be doing next. And sometimes it's something like really awesome where you, oh, yeah. you, you have to stop and think like, I can't believe that, you know, look, <laughs> here I am. I'm right. I'm in the middle of this right now. Punching Anthony Edwards with a dog. Exactly. <laughs> Punching Anthony Edwards in the face with a dog. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm standing knee, knee deep in the ocean with Barry Bostwick and we're singing wild and untamed thing. I mean, you know, it's like what you, you know, that, Check that off the bucket list. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm going to retroactively do a bucket list and then like hide it amongst my papers. So I was like, holy shit, he actually did all those things. I'm just going to write down all the weird things I've done. Just the, the, the weirdest. Yeah, just yeah. the weirdest things I've done and then and then stack it, like like try and like put it amongst my like seventh grade papers, you know, and then like some, some future archivist will find it and go, my God, he actually For that bucket achieved. list, you have to include my favorite Trey Stokes factoid. Mixed a Beatles movie at Abbey Road, mixed a Star Wars movie, <laughs> movie at, Skywalker, at Skywalker Sound. That's right. My own. My own, my own Star Wars movie and my own uh, Beatles movie. 
with sanctions by the actual copyright owners in both cases. Well, there you go. They actually said, please, no, use our studio for that. Come on in. <laughs> and wasn't it a thing where they you, brought, they you brought it in and they gave you like a good engineer to sit down with it and start remixing it? And he listens to it and he's like, no, this is pretty good, actually. Yeah, yeah like, that, we, we that also. This, I guess. <laughs> yeah, he goes, this, this is pretty good. It's like. Okay, well, well okay, right s- screw you. I came to Skywalker Ranch. <laughs> I'm getting my money's to worth. To be told if it's that fine, my audio doesn't need German. that much work, fuck you. I no. want to be told. I am. I want to be told that we have tricks that you have never yeah. heard of, no, and no. we can do it better. No, no, I, I want the full deal, pal. I didn't come here for free to not get my Listen, money's worth. I didn't come here for you <laughs> not to use the force. <laughs> it's like you're taking your junker into like an indie garage, and they're yeah. like, "No, it's pretty great." Fuck you. <laughs> you better put yeah. 700 horsepower into this yeah, thing. I mean, Fix put, this. Put some nitro in this badass or something like that. I'm glad you like it. Now let's do it. Yeah. And actually, the Skywalker Ranch story, I guess, is a story that I have yet to ever tell. You know, that, uh, a, a story for another, another time. But uh, but yeah, I mean those are that's the that's the thing is you know I'm I'm sixty feet underwater with Jim Cameron yelling at me. Okay, fine, you know let's kind of stop and take a step back from that. Um, but then there's the flip side because you literally don't know what you're going to be doing. It's like okay, I'm standing ankle deep in mud and a crazy person is yelling at me to do something impossible in the next three minutes before the sun comes up. You also find those situations are happening. You know, there's a, it's so so it is. You know, it does. It varies from day to day and month to month and project to project um, and in, in, a, in a weird way. And it, sometimes it's just like, wow, this is just like a dream come true. And sometimes it's a nightmare. That, that's what I found. I, I mean, I knew going into this industry that it's, you know, it's, it's not a nine to five, Monday to Friday, you know, job that you know you're going to go into every day. That's, you don't necessarily know where your, where your job is. You're, you're not necessarily certain about where your job is going to come from next or what it's going to be exactly. But. It's so much more than I ever thought it would be. <laughs> it's yeah. so, so much to the, to the nth degree than I ever imagined it possibly could be. For example, I may or may not be the editor of a feature film at the moment. I literally do not know. <laughs> I, 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 I was telling Trey the story on our way up here. I've been uh, assistant editing. I started as an office PA on this feature that I'm working on at the moment and then quickly got promoted to assistant editor because they saw my editorial stuff on my resume. And so for the past week, I've been putting the movie together, um, just kind of as a rough assembly, not really as anything, just kind of doing it. And so I was talking to the producer over the phone, who has a very thick accent, so it's really hard to kind of understand him over the phone. And so we're talking about, so, okay, so you know, here's everything I have. You want to see it? Yeah, upload it to me. I'll download it, and I'm going to watch it here because I don't want to come into the office. Okay, and, and I just said that in like 10 seconds, but over the phone with a heavy accent, that took like five minutes to, to actually communicate that information. At the very end of that, he's like, okay, and then we'll send you some contracts to sign. And I'm just like, at the end of this five-minute conversation where I don't want to repeat everything again, it's like, okay, all right, bye. Click. Contracts. <laughs> what? I thought I was already working. Wait a second. What? What, are, what are the contracts about? All right. I guess I'll find out on Monday. <laughs> Read the contract. And yeah. then you can sign it or not. Yeah, I mean, that's, yeah. that's exactly what's, what's going to happen, I guess. I don't know. But it's I, like I... I knew that you know this industry and working in this industry was about a certain amount of uncertainty of when your next job was going to come or from where it was going to come from. But I didn't holy know. Shit. I didn't know you could have that level of uncertainty in the middle of the job. <laughs> well, Trey, uh, oh, go ahead. Oh no, go. I was going to say Trey touched on um, what my answer was going to be for why I enjoy this because I'm not 
as much as I do visual effects, I'm not a big fan of doing them anymore. I, I have sort of the relationship. I've, I've said this before. I have the relationship with visual effects now that you have with your mom now where it's like, <laughs> I know you well enough that I don't need to see you every day. Like that kind of thing. Like I have that vibe with visual effects. <laughs> I've grown past you. Thank you for the early years. Yeah, uh, no, totally. Exactly. I appreciate it. Yeah. But, the yeah. reason I stick with it, I guess, aside from uh, convenience, it's, it's a job. Uh, is uh, the periphery, and that's what Trey was talking about—the the weird shit that you just that happens sometimes, uh, where like an A-list celebrity bought me tacos or <laughs> that kind of thing. Now I have one that mixes one story that mixes that that periphery fun, or uh, for instance, I bought my first synthesizer off of the visual effects supervisor of Firefly. That kind of shit. <laughs> well, there you go. Then. That's the kind of thing where it's like I would not get that fucking story living in Indiana, working at Costco. Like that's not something you get. What, I have a story that involves. Doing a job because I knew there would be fun periphery, that sucked like a motherfucker. <laughs> uh, it wasn't a visual effects job. I uh, I don't work on sets that often unless I'm supervising or helping my supervisor doing visual effects shit. I don't do PA stuff just because I have no interest really. Uh, I guess I don't really have interest in visual effects, but at least I'm already making money doing visual effects. But nobody has interest in being a PA. Let's just get that. Yeah, yeah. that's no. a. Well, I you know I did it, and I actually had fun with it. Uh, I, I enjoyed learning how to do the scaffolding shit and wire it together and all that shit. I actually had fun with that, just as a matter of learning new skills. Like now I know how to assemble scaffolding. That's go me. And I never had that moment where it's like I'm getting someone coffee and this is bullshit because I should be doing their job because I didn't care. Like it, it actually freed me up a lot. But this was happening on a short film that was directed by one of the one of the I guess leader kind of employees at Kyoto Brothers, a guy named Frank, who did this cool short film with Neil Patrick Harris called. Uh, fucking Dracula's Daughters and the Invasion of the Space Brains or something like that. Uh, and Trey's friend, Jim Usterman, who I know because we had worked on shit with Trey three or four years ago, right at this point. Yeah, he worked on ARC and, and Pink 5. And, uh, the, and, so AMP, and that, the AMPTP stuff, yes. too. Um, and, uh, and Jim said, hey, do you want to come work on this thing? I'm like, oh, what would I be doing? He's like, well, there's going to be some visual effects stuff. They're doing creature features. They might watch your insight. and Otherwise, you'd just be PAing. I'm like, eh, no. And Neil Patrick Harris is in it. Yes. I do want to be in that. Uh, and uh, it turns out they didn't need me at all because, first of all, it was like when I was the visual effects supervisor on set for ARC and Trey's the director. It's like, he's got it. He's not, he has no questions. He knows how to set it up. My job is retarded. I'll just take my name off of that list. Uh, I had the same thing with that where it's like, oh, they're, they're, they're doing critters. I, they, I think they know. I think they get it. So I'm just, you know, PAing. And it was miserable. It was miserable. <laughs> it was in Latuna Canyon in January, which, you know, it's California, blah, blah, blah. It's cold. Yeah, okay. It's 60 degrees in the day, 30 degrees at night. It's raining, and it's an 8 p.m. to 6 a.m. shoot three days in a row. Night shoot, 8 p.m. to 6 a.m. Right, yeah, that's, right. That's, right. that's yeah. right. that's right. Um, night shoots suck so much. <laughs> I'm outside yeah. in the forest getting rained on, soaked through and through in 30, 40 degree weather. Like, it is miserable. Hooray for Hollywood. <laughs> You'll be in pictures, kid. I swear to God. You know, I bet my be Pulitzer star. on it. You're going to be a star. I did it because I wanted to just be kind of casually having a cigarette. And then, nope, oh, I'm sharing a cigarette with Neil Patrick Harris. Indeed, I did. <laughs> Twice. And it was wonderful. And we talked about Muppets. And then I went back to my horrible job. And I stopped. And that was, I finished the show, and I haven't been a PA since. But I did get to have a cigarette with Neil Patrick Harris and talk about Little Shop of Horrors. I had to be a frozen fucking popsicle. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that shit don't come free. No, it don't. <laughs> anyway. You got to work for that. So I like the job, and I, I stick with the job for the weird periphery, the Firefly synthesizer and that kind of thing, the tacos, the Neil Patrick Harris cigarette. But <laughs> there are, you know, those aren't actually my, my listed downsides from before, but that, that, there are downsides to all those things, too. See, and now I'm sitting at a nice, comfortable desk with, you know, 
nice heating, and I get to work on Muppet stuff. So I didn't have to sit out you in the rain. You fucking asshole. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I much prefer, I, I, for me, and uh, just for me, as the saying goes, the, the worst day on set is better than the best day in an office. It's, it's, oh, yeah. yeah. I, would, I would so much rather, as much as I am certainly capable of sitting at a, at a desk for seven days a week, months at a time to, to edit and do visual effects on things. I can't say that I like it. I do it. I do it because it's like, well, no one else is going to fucking do it. And it, this thing it, has it to has happen. To get done. Has to yeah. get done. So I guess I'll do it. Yeah. But, as, uh, oh, well, as, as I said on this movie that I'm working on at the moment, I started as an office PA and was ready to blow my brains yeah, out. I'll do anything. Hey, I needed to editing and you're like, Hey, yeah. is there a PA job still open? Cause at least I got to like move around and yeah. move my arms and legs and do things. Yeah. Uh, but for me, it's like, there are very few there have been you know obviously there have been terrible tense you know unpleasant moments on sets but of course I, it's just like having a baby you forget what the pain was and that's otherwise why would anyone ever do that twice but it's it's uh, you know I love being on set it's 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 the reason that I got in the movie business before there was ever such an idea of editing or visual effects or anything like that it's like the idea of being on sets and just that whole oh, yeah. weird silly you know Hollywood where the guys push the big light by and there's two knights in armor and the, show, <laughs> the showgirls are going this way and two guys in suit of armor are going that way the energy like, of it yeah the yeah. weird back lot fun yeah and yeah. and, and and that was the one thing that's like uh, you know that turned out to be true. It was not disappointing. Yeah. When I finally oh, got yeah. to you know got to be on sets, I'll still I'm a whore to be on sets. I've said this many times. I'll be on anyone else's set. I'll just show up. You know, I'll just show up and sit there for eight hours. Just I'm good. I'm cool. There, there are tan from the energy. Yeah. I, I, I feel much the same way. I just uh, I, I'm moving into editing now, being, and have been for a while, and so it's it's putting me more in an office environment. But I, when I came out here, I was very much the same. Way. I don't care. I'll be I'll be a PA on set. I love being on set. Yeah. I love that energy. But you can only be a PA for so long before your soul just drains. And unfortunately <laughs> yeah. for me, it was like, well, I like being on sets, and I would love to be in the camera department. But and eventually, I want to work my way to director. But I would love to be in the camera department, but I don't want to be a DP. And I like being in the AD department, but no way in hell do I yeah. ever want to be a first AD. So it's like, well, that's a rough job. Where can I really go, you know, yeah. ladder-wise? That'll really take me to director. Nothing really on set will. So it's like, well, as much as I do love to be on set, it's it was like, well, I'm the really two not, worst jobs not on the set are first AD and unit production manager. I yeah, yeah. holy god. I I make the analogy that they're like the people who throw the party. <laughs> and, yeah. and whenever you throw the party, you don't get to have as much fun at the party yeah. as the people the who host. just come. And they have to yeah. clean up after, too. And they have yeah. to clean up after. <laughs> yeah. I paid $500 for the Jurassic Park party. Yeah. didn't get to see a frame of Jurassic and Park. And it's weird because because that 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 chain, which starts as, you know, second second AD yeah. and third AD and fourth AD, that's the DGA apprenticeship program. Right. And it's from the DGA, but that that ladder does not end in directing. It doesn't. It, it ends, ends in, in first, first AD assistant. production manager. Yeah. So it's weird that it comes through the DGA. Well, they've designed it so they don't have competition. It's, it's, it's yeah. that classic, we've made it, we're pulling up the ladder behind us. So none of you guys can actually <laughs> make it where we are now. It's <laughs> weird. Un unless you have our blessing, which is impossible to get. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Because, because there's no... So the answer is just go make something. Yeah. yeah. The yeah. thing is, there, there, is no, there is no job ladder that, you know, this is how you become a director. I mean, right. there's any number of ways to become a director, some of which are legitimate and some of which aren't. So, so I, think, I think the value of it, though, is PA exposes you to all sorts of things, mm -hmm. you know, and, and you might just sort of kind of go, I got to hang, if you just sort of like hang with the camera department more often, yeah. you'll get some something out of it, hopefully. If yeah. only the networking. Yeah, networking, yeah. or if they go, hey, well, you know, you want to help us, you know, and you'll learn a thing, or you'll you'll you know, get to a piece of information, or you'll make a contact. Or I something tell you, like if that. I had to go do it all again, I'd be in the sound department. Mm -hmm. yeah. Those guys. Yeah. 
Always, always the most laid back, easygoing yeah. guys. Started. Oh yeah. Theater department sound soundboard running. So was Chloe. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Lighting, she says. Yeah. Yeah. I was lighting too. Lighting Stage now. lighting. The story I told on whatever commentary it was about the lighthouse, by the way, uh, that was on the uh, Space Brains, the MPH project. Mm-hmm. Where do you, do you recall that story? Where I, I I was the whole time I caught up extremely fast. Like I had never really been on a set like that before, a big one. And well, actually, I had, but I hadn't been involved in it that way. I've been a supervisor kind of person, so I just got to watch. Uh, but I was kind of fascinated and kind of con- – I was kind of fucking – I didn't believe. I was skeptical of all these, like, the Stinger and the C-47s. C-47s. And all yeah. that shit. I'm like, look I it, think – Look it up. I think they're just making this shit up because they want to feel cool about it. And indeed they are because <laughs> uh, I became – I basically became one of the lead – PA people because I all of us didn't know anything and I was just picking it up faster than they were so I became the de facto where should where should we put the scaffold and I just said we're putting the scaffold over here put it up let's go let's go let's go we did it and then the director was like that's perfect thank you that kind of thing where I was just the guy who began leading the pack and they started deferring to me which I thought was weird but at the end of the (laughs) as long as someone like shows up to be the alpha they're like okay (laughs) at the end of the show at the end of the the last night of shooting uh, there was a bunch of lights up and it was fucking five in the morning it was pitch black in, in, in the forest raining it was awful uh they had all these lights strike a light one strike a light two should we strike this light dig uh no leave it up it's a lighthouse and i just walked away <laughs> walked away and, and my, my hand to god someone was like hey bring down that light no it's a lighthouse it's a lighthouse <laughs> i made that term up there you go which which fortunately for me because I hate working in GE, but unfortunately, because I really want to make that an industry standard term now, <laughs> I want to use that. Lighthouse. But I haven't worked in the GE department since that's happened, which yeah, is good for me because I hate the GE department. But well, it, in theater, you always leave a yeah. ghost light. It's, yeah. it's, it's, yeah. Or work light. It's called a work light yeah. also. Yeah. Anyway, I was fucking nuts. Uh, this has been uh, 29 minutes and 30 seconds of the intermission. So we've got 30 seconds. So we'll talk slowly. Mm. Well. I guess if, uh, if we learned anything today, <laughs> it was that. It's sometimes it. it's worth it, and sometimes it's not. Yeah. I you am have to Christie. take the good, take the bad, yeah. and then you have the facts, the facts, of, of, life. facts of life. The facts of, of life. life. Ooh, yeah. as, as the saying goes, if it it doesn't matter why you do it, you just you shouldn't do it unless you can't think of anything else to do. It's like it's like well, I I hate it most of the time, but what the fuck else am I gonna do? I'm gonna hate everything else more than it's this. better than the other things. Yeah, exactly. I'm Teague. Ryan. Seth. Trey. And this was the intermission. Thirty minutes, six seconds.